Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Good Grow Great Podcast. I'm Talia Toha, and this is Six Degrees of Greatness. This is where we sit down with one, two, or three different people from different backgrounds, different roads of life, and just different stages of their work, their business. And we get a rich array of information, ideas, uh, stories about successes, but also epic failures. And today we are talking to Chase Russell and Trevor Goodchild. Chase Russell is the founder of Russell Aviation and they make private flights affordable. So if you're ever kind of thinking, you know what, I really would like to surprise wife, the husband, the kids, the parents with this amazing experience. Check out the chase because he has some interesting, interesting insights, but also interesting ways that you can make this an experience of a lifetime. And I think what's really cool is that today we sit down with Chase and we talk about how he started this whole thing after he was stationed in various places around the world, Afghanistan, Kuwait, and other places as well, and why he started it, right? Um, And also how he made this possible, having been an outsider of the industry, of that particular category. So we're going to be learning so much from Chase. And to add to that, we have Trevor Goodchild. Trevor Goodchild is a Facebook policy specialist who worked at Facebook and ads and tech. Trevor specializes in startup topics in his business blog, Jet Ski Shaman, and podcast Zen and the Art of Social Media. So if you are looking into, okay, how do I make social media uh, a great part of my business and what I do? How do I leverage it in a meaningful way? You can check out Trevor, see if it drives with you, see some of the good things that he can share with you. Some fun facts that Trevor has is that he raps, is a motivational speaker. He hangs out with the rapper Devin the Dude. Uh, Fun facts of Chase is that he had been in the military for some time, but which is what's interesting is that even though he is a 26-year-old father of two, he hates television very, very cool. Not every day do you hear that. And he has a very unique approach that goes against the grain of most people in his generation, which is clearly uh, fueling his success. And so today they are going to be sharing with us various ways that you can also upscale your life and your work. One of which is number one, step-by-step of how Chase and Trevor uncovers what their niche really want and are willing to pay for, right? Um, Sometimes even without any experience. So if you're in this position, this is the episode to dive into. Uh, Second, of course, they are also going to be sharing what you should really do if you weren't born into a lot of wealth or privilege or all the bells and whistles and you're feeling like you're stuck because your situation and condition is not um, is not really helping. So some top mindset and strategies that you can and adopt and adapt and make it work uh, in your own space. And also some underrated but amazing high level ways that you can also build your first 1000 people who believe in you, who believe in what you do and who also support you and all of these things and more guys such a great episode to tune into be sure to hit that follow add subscribe or collect button and click that notification button so that you are notified whenever we publish episodes like this and some amazing amazing values that you can immediately use today and be sure to listen to the end of the episode because we cover a lot for sure go solvers let's start and let's dive in 
right. Trevor and Chase, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you guys here. And I thought that we'd start with Chase because you are in the aviation space and we will talk about your business in just a little bit. But I thought that uh, we'd start with you maybe sharing about your uh, passion in aviation and how it got started and why you started flying and and just share a little bit about that uh, that area of your life. How did you get started in aviation, Chase? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm so excited to be here first off. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you gave me the opportunity to be on this. But um, so um, I own uh, I own Russell Aviation. Uh, it's a private, it's an affordable private luxury charter service. And uh, pretty much what we do is, well, when I started this idea of the, of the business, um, it was back in 2018, I was still in the military. And um, I started thinking, I was like, what? I, I knew I wanted to be in aviation. I knew I wanted to be in the aviation industry. And, and growing up, I had always wanted to be a business owner. So I was trying to, okay, what can I do when I'm, I'm getting, I'm separating the Air Force? What can I start to do to start building a business from scratch? And uh, I started looking at the market and I started really diving into the private aviation market. And uh, I had no background, really. My family was not in aviation. My, my brother was also in the Air Force. Um, but growing up, I, was, I never thought, I would ever touch airplanes, do anything with airplanes. It was never really a big fascination of mine until I joined the Air Force. And then I thought, airplanes are cool. I mean, that's, that's such a neat idea. That's something that heavy can just soar through the air. And it was such a wild concept to me that it just like grew and grew and grew in the passion for it. So going back, um, I'm in the Air Force and I'm, I'm about to separate. And I start thinking, I, I'm looking at the aviation industry private mainly. And I start seeing this huge gap between the the luxury charter services that you would normally think of when you're flying private charters and the commercial airline industry. And there's a ton of people that would love to fly privately, but they can't afford the tens of thousands of dollars or they don't want to pay the tens of thousands of dollars to fly privately. So how do you fill that gap? And uh, started coming up with Russell Aviation, start putting the building blocks together, building the business plan, stop talking to people, doing the market research and voila, they're, you know, a few years later, here we are, yeah, so cool. I love that story and you starting essentially from the market, right? And just kind of seeing if there's a, a an itch to be scratched or a pain to be kind of solved, right? Um, I wanted to touch before we dive further into Russell uh, Aviation, uh, your time in Afghanistan, Kuwait, you know, and, and your service. Thank you for your service, by the way. And uh, mostly because here on the podcast, yes, we talk entrepreneurship. Yes, we talk business. Yes, we talk all of those things, but above and beyond all those, right, we talk personal development and really kind of the story and the macro aspect of what makes people fulfilled, successful, live an enriched life, you know, all of these things. And I know that a lot of uh, the handful of people who I've had on the show who are in the force, Army, Navy, what have you, they always speak about that time with great fondness and some, of course, with with memories of challenges. Can you share with us maybe one moment when you felt like your time, uh, you know, in your service that uh, you felt like you were maybe feeling a bit down, maybe feeling like it was um, not for you, perhaps it was very difficult, maybe it was in the States, maybe it was outside of the US. Um, and just kind of share a bit about the context of it, and what you did to kind of come out on the other side, um, you know, with, uh, hopefully with uh, positivity, clearly you're alive. Um, anything that came uh, come to your mind, Chase, uh, with that respect? Yes. Yeah, so, um, 
I was in, I did, I did two tours in Afghanistan to begin with in my career. I had gotten a Holloman Air Force Base in New Mexico and I had spent six months away from my family. Well, it was eight months away from my family. I had, I had just had a daughter at the time and I was, I was married to my ex-wife at the time. And, um, we, I got to New Mexico and two months later I got orders. You're going to Kandahar, Afghanistan. And I was like, okay, you know, this is, this is what you sign up for. So I go out there, I come back six months later, another set of orders going to Kandahar, Afghanistan. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, I'm spending, I, I hadn't spent a birthday with my daughter yet. She'd been three, she's three at the time. I hadn't spent one birthday, not one Christmas. And I, you know, it's really starting to, it starts to wear on you after a while, especially being a dad, you want to spend time with your kids. Um, I come back and, uh, I guess this is, uh, this is the downturn of it. Uh, my, my ex-wife, uh, she, she says, I can't do this anymore. She leaves, uh, takes my daughter back here to Florida where they're from. And, uh, I start and I get, or I get another set of orders. You're going to Kuwait for a year. And I'm thinking as I'm going through the divorce, as my daughters, I haven't seen my daughter in eight months. I'm sitting in Kuwait for a year. And I start thinking, this is not what my life is supposed to be. Um, you know, the, the military is great about building people up and building resiliency and, and building a mindset where it's mission, 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 and you're always going to accomplish a mission no matter what it takes. Um, so at this point, I've been in the service for about five years. Uh, I'm pretty seasoned. Um, I've, I've been around the block and um, I got I got tired of having this down mentality. And I just started saying, you know what, I'm not going to do it anymore. And I just woke up every day. I'd work 12 hours a day. I would hit the gym for two hours. I would study, study, study. And I started going to school. I started anything that I could possibly do to start shifting my mind from uh, playing the, the down and, you know, you know, get back up on the horse. Let's get, let's get life. This is what life is not supposed to be like. Let's, let's fix it. Um, so I think the real life-changing moment for me, and I think everybody kind of has one of these life-changing moments is where they, they just start to think, this is not where I'm supposed to be. I got to do something about it. And it's different for everybody. Um, but I would say Kuwait for me was that changing. And that's when I started coming up with the Russell Aviation and the business plan and everything like that. It all started clicking to me. Um, and once you take that first step and changing the way you want your life to be, it, it just builds from there. I love this story, mostly because the I think everyone can resonate with you on that particular point, because there is always that paradigm shift, right? That point where where you're like, okay, this is enough. We really have to do something about uh, our lives because we want, and I always say this on this podcast, when you're running a business or when you have uh, work that you're passionate about, the goal is so that you can own it and not the other way around, so that the work doesn't own you. And already when you're starting, that was the the mentality, which I love. I'm going to ask you one more question before we head to Trevor. And uh, my follow-up question to what you just shared is really how did you, what was the one thing perhaps that you can share with the audience listening who perhaps are now in the position that you were uh, several years ago, right? And what was the one thing that you did right in the beginning that, um, that helped you kind of navigate that overlap of, okay, I'm still in the force a little bit, um, but I want to build this other thing. And I know that, you know, we're, we're, we want to have a good mindset and all of those, but specifically what was the one perhaps activity, things that you do that really helped kind of, uh, ramp up your, your growth in a meaningful way. Um, and then once you share that, I'm going to go to Trevor next and, and have Trevor share, um, his top, uh, technique when he he was just starting out. So uh, I would say the one thing that really happened for me that was that was 
you know, if I had to and put an analogy to it, it's getting off the cliff. You know, I was standing at the edge of the cliff. What pushed me over the cliff? Getting a goal. I don't care where you're at in life. I don't, it, it, it's a matter of get a goal. And every single day when you wake up, work towards that goal. If you want to get your bachelor's degree, if you want to finish, uh, you know, if you want to finish nursing school, you want to own a business, just whatever your goal is, make it so astronomical and such a large goal that no matter where you end up, you're going to be a lot farther than you were. And whether, you know, for me, it was the business. And for me, it was, I wanted to be that business owner. I wanted to do something. Nobody ever wakes up one day and goes, I'm going to own an airline, but I did. Um, and I, I thought about it and people laughed at me. So many people were like, you're never going to do that. Um, and I said, okay, watch me. And it just, I'm the type of person though, that when you say I can't do something, I'm going to go a hundred and a hundred times harder at it. Um, but, you know, I started and I realized I, for me, it was a self-reflection thing of I realized that I wasn't in the place. If, if I would have started, if I, somebody would have handed me an airline at that day, I wouldn't have been ready. So it's it's you got to build yourself up first to get to that goal. And I mean, that's for me, I think that's more you can take that advice and go into a relationship. If you're not the best person going into a relationship, you're it's not going to work. If you're not the best person going into a business venture or a partnership or any type of any type of venture that takes a lot more than you have inside of you, it's not going to work. So I mean, it's building yourself and then just every single day building a little bit more of yourself to get to the goal that you've set. I love this. I love this so, so much, mostly because, you know, I think a lot of people, they want to get to the top of the mountain first, right? And then forgetting that, well, you can't really, I mean, you can drop yourself and airlift yourself, but fairly dangerous if you're not trained, right? So then really the the more common way to success, to, to uncommon success, I should say, is really exactly what you're saying. How about you, Trevor? What What was the top thing that perhaps you can share with the audience who's in in that kind of early stages that um, that you did when you were just starting that uh, that you felt was really a key aspect to to growing having that kind of momentum i would say find your sense of purpose and that can be different things you know a lot of people when they start out at something they have a lot of self-doubt they have a lot of imposter syndrome uh, can i really do this and what often helps uh, with that is to find either a cause, a purpose, or a, or a person or a family member. Uh, for me, you know, it was my son, and I, I wanted to show him that it, it was worth it to not give up on your dreams and to fight harder and try harder uh, to overcome obstacles within yourself, your own inner demons. And I think sometimes externalizing that motivation can help. Um, but I love everything Chase has said too. And I just want to thank you for your service as well. And also resonate with people telling me that I couldn't do it. Um, you know, I have longtime mentor from, you know, childhood who, who thought entrepreneurship was a scam and that I was just gullible for, for trying it out. And, you know, I said, look, I'll, you'll see, like, you'll see. And uh, and then a few years later, he did and even bragged about me to his friends and was like, somehow this whipper snapper is doing it. I guess with the Internet, you can do anything these days and, and different generational beliefs, right? A little different. But, uh, you know, uh, sometimes we we it seems almost contradictory, but sometimes we actually go the fastest when the track is uphill. 
This is great. I love that the idea that actually that traction and friction actually does help propel, right? You can't really push upwards unless there's a, a force backwards in some way, kind of like a pendulum. The further back you swing, the further out you go. Did you have, Trevor, a moment kind of like Chase when you you were like, okay, I haven't spent any time with my kiddos or I haven't spent enough time even just chilling or resting? Uh, did you have a moment like that? Because I know that I, when I started, that was definitely uh, something similar where I came home after a long meeting and really uh, realized that I, you know, <laughs> haven't seen the kids in uh, ages, really. And I was like, this is really besides the point, right? So did you have a moment like that, Trevor? As far as that, I mean, really, it was just the grind. It was the nine to five. It was, uh, you know, I was working at Facebook and ads um, as well as tech. And it was really working so much. And I had to work into the evening. And I don't know if anyone has had to work evening shifts, but it is, it's, it's terrible to try to get stuff done, get stuff done. I was going to college full time. I was uh, working at Facebook full time. And so I had the situation where I didn't have really any time to, to do stuff that I enjoyed um, at the level that I wanted to. And so that was part of where I decided on entrepreneurship and didn't really have any guarantees. Again, a lot of self-doubt uh, from other people trying to project onto me. But uh, I had a very simple creed, you know. I mean, I wanted to live a better life for my family. And I wanted to, you know, achieve dreams that uh, my father didn't, right? And he got stopped short by his own inner demons, a lot of stuff. And seeing his failures helped motivate me to say, you know what? I know how not to be. I want to do better than that. And one of the things that for as far as like, time and, and family and stuff like that. I was like, you know what? I Facebook's a career. It's not just a job. Like it's a career. Like I could have retired from, from it was the best job I ever had in my life. I loved it there. Um, at least, at least for the benefits and the job. Um, but it was, I had a simple creed. I was like, you know what? I could work 40 hours a week making Mark Zuckerberg's dream come true, or I could work 40 hours a week making my dream come true. And uh, just like Chase, you know, spending uh, those hours uh, taking courses, working out, doing stuff to better, you know, perfect himself for his next venture, which is great advice. Uh, I echo that completely. I started doing that, too, um, in my own ways for a completely different, completely different industry and stuff. Um, but that was where I was, you know what, I'm putting this time in anyways with the job. Why not in the little time that I do have? put the time in towards entrepreneurship and then start doing that full time. And it's good advice for anybody that's working a nine to five that has bigger dreams. Start with the side hustle, get that, get that having some momentum and then build, build it. Like you're building a house, like you're building a castle, like you're building a path or road, like you build it brick by brick. And once you see, okay, we, we got some traction here. We got some momentum here. Now you can make that decision. You could just quit and be like, all right, all in. Um, some people do that and they go back to work and then they quit and they go back to work, right? Um, it just depends. And I want to highlight, I'm so glad that you brought up the the whole kind of imposter syndrome, which is becoming a buzzword now. Everyone's kind of throwing it around. Everyone's sharing how a lot of times they they feel like they're inadequate and, and not enough. And there are some naysayers in their lives, family perhaps, who are like, "That's this is nonsense what you're doing and they don't believe in you. Uh, if you take yourself back to those that that time, right? And again, on behalf of the audience who's listening, who are curious and, and, and are in this position, 
what did you say to these these naysayers or did you not say anything to them and you just kind of powered through? I know that some people, I know John Lee Dumas mentioned in an interview recently where he said that, you know what, dad, if you don't believe in what I do, we're not going to be able to talk for just a little while, mostly because I have to be in that energy and mindset of being able to do this. So if you're not going to be there to support that mindset, we're going to have to uh, basically not chat for a little bit. What did you say anything like that to, you know, perhaps those naysayers? Um, I, you know, I was working at, at Facebook. It was kind of an interesting little anecdote of how that happened. Um, I was in, in between jobs. I was, I worked a lot in tech. I helped launch the Xbox live for Microsoft. Um, I've worked at Apple. I've done a lot of different stuff in the tech field and I was in between jobs and I got this phone call walking downtown in Austin, Texas and Facebook called me up and they're like, Mr. Anderson, we've had our eye on you for quite some time. Actually, my name is, is Trevor Goodchild, but um, it, it was unreal. I was like, oh, Joe, is that you? Are you playing a, a prank on me? This ain't face. Facebook doesn't call people. And it wasn't until I walked through the doors that said Facebook on it in uh, their offices in Austin. And I was like, oh, this is legit Facebook. So I worked there for three years and, you know, it was amazing. It was fun, uh, you know, supporting major companies like Jamba Juice and Toyota, strategizing ads, and then later supporting Facebook servers, remote access tools globally for every staff member of Facebook. So if you were having a problem with Facebook, it wasn't loading. I was working on that with the engineers in Menlo Park that write the code for Facebook. But um, speaking to imposter syndrome, I mean, that's, that's a real, that's a real important thing to address and, I'll be honest, you know, maybe it's dumb male chauvinism or whatever, but I, I thought that was something only women got, uh, to be honest. And then like when I had quit my job at Facebook to pursue my career, uh, that I do now for my consultancy where what I do is I provide Facebook policy expertise for social media marketing agencies or businesses that reach a brick wall and Facebook disapproves an ad and says, you know, you haven't followed our policies. Well, which policy? Why? What can I do to get it compliant? Facebook goes radio silent. I can dive in and say, oh, well, it was this copy. This is why you got your ad disapproved or your ad account disabled or business manager. This is how you get compliant. And that's what I do. My clients have included like Tony Robbins, Harvecker, stuff like that, people like that. And so in the first year, I didn't believe that I could do this. I thought, I mean, of course, you've got the doubts of family members and other people too, uh, because really it comes from like the industrial revolution, you know, when basically you, you are achieving a high mark going from menial genitorial services to working in a whistle driven Pavlonian triggered, you know, factory life of when the whistle blows, you go to lunch and, you know, then college and, and, and going to college, they don't teach you how to be an entrepreneur unless you're specifically pursuing that. So like there's this doctrine pretty much of the baby boomers and pre baby boomer generations where it's like, your goal is to get a job ideally for the government, work hard, retire with some benefits, even if you're dying inside. And like, I, uh, you know, I didn't have really any support a lot of that from a lot of people that I thought would. And so that on top of the fact that I was like, wow, I'm doing this. I didn't realize I knew as much as I knew about Facebook policies and stuff like that. I, I had to have my clients convince me to continue doing it. Uh, like the social media marketing team at Tony Robbins are like, Trevor, you know your stuff. 
the point is there's like, you really actually know your field, you know, all this stuff. Cause for me, it wasn't, I didn't know how much I knew. It was one of those things where it's like an encyclopedia of like understanding of how Facebook works, both from the ads and the tech perspective platform wise. And so when someone would ask me a question, I'm like, Oh, well, it's because of this, this, and this, Oh, it's because of this. Like I didn't know how much I knew and other people had to say, my clients had to tell me, no, Trevor, you got your stuff, you know it. And after it took a year really to get over it, because I, I, I was so paranoid. I was like, I can't believe they're paying me to do this. Like, I don't, what do I know? And apparently a lot. Um, so it, yeah, I overcame it and, you know, it, it really helped to have external validation. Not everyone can have that. And there's, there's a whole different process of self-validating as well, but producing results is a good way to do that. You know, obviously, uh, if you're dealing with some social emotional stuff, you know, results would be more like benchmarks you've reached internally or with goals that you have for yourself. But if it's in business, that's a great way to overcome imposter syndrome to, to create benchmarks, goals, milestones and say, okay, I want to achieve this by this. Did I do this? Yes, I did. Imposter syndrome taking down a peg, right? And continue to do that. And then that really gets you in a better position. I did that uh, in my journey and that really helped out. I love this. So again, just to kind of echo what Trevor is saying, overcoming imposter syndrome, really just start producing, right? Start just the same as what Chase had mentioned um, earlier on when he was starting out. It was just a matter of let's get out there, let's do it, and uh, we'll we'll organically build that up. And I think um, just to kind of build upon what Trevor has mentioned in his work with Tony Robbins, his expertise with Facebook. Now, your luxury flights for uh, that's a a little bit more affordable. I love this concept. I think this is such a fantastic concept. Now, when you started it out, were there some, I guess, unexpected surprises? Because I think a lot of times when people start a business or they have a certain concept, they have a certain thing in mind about why perhaps people want it, right? Or perhaps how people would like it. What was, uh, did you encounter a surprise or maybe not even a surprise, but just something that's kind of like, oh, okay, I could do it this way um, rather than this other way. Anything like that, Chase? Uh, yeah, <laughs> a million. Um, when you're starting a business, especially uh, from scratch like this uh, and, and opposite of what Trevor kind of had, where Trevor was, was in the field, um, he was already uh, in the industry. Um, for me, coming from a military background where I knew aviation pretty well, moving to the private sector is a completely different uh, aspect. So you have to, if, in my experience, I had to teach myself so many things um, that my business model has. If you looked at my first version of my business model to my business model now or my business plan now, it's, it's not even recognizable. Um, there's so many little things that need that have to change uh, almost simultaneously and almost on a daily basis um, in order to perfect that. And that, I mean, that boils down to even um, from a personal standpoint too, it goes back to if you're trying to reach those goals, you're going to hit roadblocks. Everybody's going to hit roadblocks. It doesn't matter how um, amazing you are at one thing and you might be the guru of, of one industry, but you're going to hit roadblocks and it's, it's a matter of how you overcome those roadblocks. Um, for instance, for me, when I, when I started building the business model, um, overall, 
I was going to, I was going to charge for the entire aircraft, a flat fee, and it was going to be this, you know, set number and you can have the aircraft for four days. Well, the more I started researching and teaching myself, you know, how that was going to work, it was not going to work. And it's a good thing that it didn't launch with that type of business model because it wouldn't have worked and I would have failed. Good thing for me is I caught it. It was a roadblock and I thought, okay, now I got to backtrack and I got to figure this out. And we came up with a new, a new model for our pricing, but um, I think you're, you're always going to hit roadblocks and I'm not, I'm not done hitting roadblocks. I, I hit a roadblock at least every day. It's a matter of, it's a, it's a matter of overcoming it at some point. Yeah. I love this. So basically every day, right. There's always something new. I think everyone always say this, even those who are very, very experienced in that there's always going to be something new, no matter how experienced you are. Mm-hmm. And I think also because the speed of commerce have changed, like things keep moving, right? Things keep changing. I mean, Trevor's in the social media space. He's very well aware that every year there's always something new, right? Um, so I love that mindset of, you know what? It's, it's just part of the process rather than a problem, right? Kind of that obstacle, which is great. Now, uh, before I go back to Trevor real quick, I did want to ask you, Chase, when you are uh, doing these kind of pre-bookings and full service uh, luxury flights. What was, um, you know, I know that you're, you're fulfilling a demand, right? You're fulfilling a demand here from, from people who are needing this and couldn't find a solution. Uh, what was kind of the top, why do people uh, book these flights? Is it usually for, you know, they, they want to go to a wedding? Is it for like a special occasion? So just kind of share with us real quick, um, what are some of the top reasons why people um, engage with you and, and why this is important? And we'll go back to Trevor in just a second if Trevor wants to kind of, um, you know, kind of prepare his answers. But I'm going to go to him about his, his top Facebook strategies, which have really changed change, right? And it's going to be amazing for people who are listening. So go ahead, Chase. Well, so when we, when I, when I originally had started the business, uh, we had, we had planned a market towards the, the family events. So the, the destination weddings planning towards the family vacations, maybe the mid-sized business that wants to send their employees, their hardworking employees to the keys, or they want to send them out to the Bahamas, something along the lines of that. And they want to fly them something luxury, almost like the limousine effect for a prom or something along the lines of that. Then COVID hit. Uh, once COVID hit, the entire private aviation industry boomed. It was it, nobody wanted to fly commercially because they were they were terrified. So the majority of of people that we have seen um, inquiries about booking pre bookings and and stuff along the lines of that have been over safety concerns, um, which is a great thing. I mean, people should be staying safe on aircraft and and flying privately instantly brings that into a reality. And if if you can make that affordable to a much larger market you don't have people getting stuck on in the Bahamas or getting stuck somewhere because they can't fly commercially because the commercial airlines aren't going to fly there privately. You're instantly social distanced. You're on an aircraft by yourself or, you know, with your family that you've been at home with anyway. Um, our, our main business though, our main business model is to target that family vacation and the, the destination weddings and stuff like that though. I love this. I love that it actually, uh, the, the lovely surprise is that it's kind of a silver lining. I know COVID is very hard for a lot of people, but I always say that obstacles pre- present unique opportunities to really kind of rise beyond what, um, you know, what the obstacle is uh, at, at hand, right? So mm-hmm. Trevor, though, for you with Facebook, right? Because now there are all these other things and... Um, Just saying that word, 
triggers so many people, Facebook? <laughs> well, it's, it's a question that we, we have to address, right? Because a lot of people are, are looking to grow and get visibility, right? And they, look, they look to social media and uh, for a lot of that. What can an average, um, you know, anyone who's just within like their first year to five um, uh, year of, uh, of business, like what can they do with Facebook to start? Maybe share one, two, three um, key things and then, and then we'll go from there. Well, before I answer that question, um, I I want to respond to what Chase said because I think he's he said some some good stuff there. And uh, as far as like obstacles are concerned, um, with with the obstacles, uh, I think like the important thing is definitely keep going. Don't give up too soon. And another thing is that a lot of people, uh, I had someone reach out to me recently who had a, a big fail at their job and, and she was very upset. And so I kind of counseled her through it. And the idea is this, right? When we fail or we perceive that we failed at something that we're aiming to do, uh, often we forget that there was good things that worked out in that attempt that maybe we thought was a failure, right? Or didn't achieve ideal results. But the idea is that in each attempt, there's data that we can harvest about what actually worked, what worked about that thing that, that failed, right? And then learn from what didn't, not just what didn't, but what was the thinking behind the decisions that led to this that didn't work out? Like, where can we tweak that decision-making process to begin with, right? When I first started offering my services, I lowballed myself so much because I didn't realize how much the value of my insight was worth. And uh, it was, again, other people that helped me realize, oh, no one else really understands this stuff. So I had to scale it up. But part of that process was understanding what that business model would look like, right? Not just one package, but three packages. So you can do like the Sanders sales technique of a two option close to give people a choice when they pick something, right? This is any offer of any business, right? Offering people a selection allows them to feel more in control of the buying process instead of saying, this is what I do. Good luck. Do you want it? Don't? Okay. Right. So I had a lot of learning curves I had to overcome in the process of launching this business. And, but I think, the, the the when COVID hit, it's very interesting because Chase is in a completely different industry. But we both experienced booms. For me, my major client acquisition was uh, like startup accelerator events, uh, meetup groups for entrepreneurship and startup. I would go there in person. Those archaic forms of uh, you know resume building and networking called business cards, um, physical business cards. Uh, I hand them out. I, I designed them myself. So I was very proud of myself for my little amateur graphic design, but uh, I would hand them out and I would go to these and I would get clients that way. And, you know, nothing like a face to face to add that no like and trust factor. Um, and then COVID hit and shut that down. So I had to reformat everything I do for online and for digital. And then, of course, the entire world is doing that, too. So my business started booming, starting crazy. Like, it was an amazing change. But that made me realize, okay, now I have to be selective on who I work with. I can't just work with anybody. Do uh, just, just to say, like, as far as, like, obstacles go, like, it's really important that we try to learn from each part of that attempt and see what we can tech carry forward to the next attempt to keep getting better instead of getting too caught up and like, oh, it didn't work out the best way, right? It may not the first time or the second or the fifth or the 10th. So I just, I'm very passionate about that because I've overcome a lot of obstacles in my life. Uh, I grew up on the streets when I was a kid, you know, I mean, I did motivational speaking as well about that. So 
um, you know, for me, obstacles are, are, are huge to, to find ways that we can, we can figure out how to GPS our attempts at, at bettering ourselves, our quality of life, our families, stuff like that. Like it's important. We look at them as strengths instead of failures. Um, one of the biggest fails that I see uh, or fails or misses or, or mistakes or assumptions. A lot of people think, Oh, I'll just run a Facebook ad and the dollars will come rolling in and a giant cascade from the sky. Um, it doesn't exactly work that way. The biggest thing you need to do is, is find out who your target audience is. What is the language they speak? Right. So like if we're talking about like Chase's business, which I love by the way, and I, I'm interested in seeing price points. I don't have any immediate need for a private flight, but I mean, that sounds awesome. And I would love to do that at some point, maybe take my son somewhere, you know, cool. I took him to Hawaii one year and he freaking loved it. So I don't know. Like that sounds really neat to have a whole, my whole jet. Like that'd be awesome for like say his business. Right. If, if he's, if he's trying to target people uh, for private flights, you know, obviously he's not going to want to target people that are NASCAR fans necessarily. Like he's going to want to target people that, that are into traveling, right? People that, that are, are, you know, uh, maybe they, they like specific tropical islands or maybe they, you know, are of a certain income bracket. Maybe it's not the, the Uber, Uber rich, not the, the Bill Gates of the world, but, you know, uh, medium to upper income, right? So we'll look at lifestyles. What kind of cars do these people drive? What kind of magazines do they read? What kind of forums are they part of? What kind of, like, uh, conventions do they go to, right? You build a profile of, like, who your audience is and, and what they do, and then you find out where they hang out and then find out what words they use to describe their pain points, and then you echo those in your ad copy or on your Facebook page, and that will get you a lot further ahead. It's just simply getting to know who your customers are on a more intimate level. I think sometimes, you know, it's, it is a balance between trying to do too narrow targeting and then also going too broad. But I think also I would say along those same tips uh, for people getting started, I would say regardless of Facebook, build your, your thousand fans, build your thousand diehard fans of people that love what you do. When you get those thousand fans that you build up on your Facebook page, interacting in Facebook groups where your target audience hangs out, which will take a little trial and error. But when you start interacting with them, having real dialogue, figuring that out and linking, making real human connections with your with your potential customers and creating that fan base, it's in a Facebook group, it's on an email list, it's on a Facebook page. That's super important. But Kevin Hart is a great example of someone that mastered this, right? He he started movies that he thought would get him an amazing career and it didn't, it didn't work. So what did he do? He went on tours uh, of the nation everywhere, not just where he would be well-known, but small towns everywhere, right? And he had his team set up a section where it said, put your business card in, Kevin wants to know you. And he built this email list and he made real like strategic choices on what, what and where he would appear at building those first thousand fans. So I would, that's what I would encourage people to do. Uh, I think for those people who, who are still looking for ways to kind of create momentum, uh, Trevor's point on the thousand fans or even just a hundred is so 
crucial. And by fans, he he does mean people who really believe in you, not just simply know your name, right? Or maybe barely even remember your name. I think I I definitely see the power of this for my own business. And and I think it's so, so true that those key people take care of them, you know, and and be of that kind of go-giving mindset instead of just go-getting, you know, like it's, it's really, it really does go the distance. And I wanted to kind of ask Chase real quick, just kind of to build upon what Trevor had beautifully, um, you know, described on growing something from scratch. I know that um, both of you guys have similarities in maybe not so easy childhood, right? Uh, you mentioned Chase earlier on that um, that you grew up extremely poor. Can you explain a little bit more about maybe that story and how perhaps that informs some of the decisions that you made um, in your business and how it actually helps to kind of propel your business. And I'll go back to you, Trevor. I know you mentioned that you grew up in the streets and we'll talk about that um, uh, for a little bit as well. So Chase, uh, how did that look like for you growing up? And then how did that impact your, uh, your approach to what you do today? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I grew up here. I grew up here in Florida and, um, surprisingly people think when you're from Florida, you're instantly, uh, you know, one of those people that are at the beach every day and you live this amazing life. Um, that's not necessarily true. Um, and so my, neither one of my parents graduated high school. Uh, my mom finally got her GED uh, a few months ago or a few years ago, sorry. And, um, by no means were they uh, these wealthy people that were able to instill knowledge on me and my brothers and stuff uh, along the lines of that. So coming out of that, I think if you look at, if you study entrepreneurs in themselves, the majority of them never, they came from nothing. And I think that builds a sense of, I've got to succeed. And and you've already been to the bottom. So it's, there's nowhere else to go and you're going to go, keep going as hard and as long as you have to go in order to get to the top, which in my business model is ironic because I target, like, like Trevor was saying, you know, you got to really figure out your market and my market is the wealthier 1%. They are the wealthier, uh, you know, individuals. They're driving the Mercedes, they're driving, you know, Ferraris. Um, they take the family vacations. I remember growing up, I never took a family vacation. So not only for me, did I have to come into the business and learn how to do a business, learn how to do a private aviation, but I had to learn how to market myself first. I mean, as a business owner, you're marketing yourself, especially in a startup, you're selling yourself. When you're talking to investors or you're talking to anybody along the lines of that, you got to sell whatever you are before you can even sell your product. Um, so, you know, you got to teach yourself how to target those people. What do they like? What do they, what do they want? What do they want to see in you? What do they want to see in your product? What do they want um, to see overall from the company? And, and then building that. And once you find the first hundred people that believe in you, and think that you are somebody special and that no matter what's going to happen, you're going to succeed. Um, and whatever venture you're going into, that's when you start seeing that exponential growth of, of people. Because every one person that believes in you 110%, they know 10 other people. And those 10 other people, obviously, they're friends with. So they have mutual interests. And then it's just a spider web of people coming in and coming in and coming in. And it just grows overnight. But I mean, going back to going back to my childhood, yeah, I, I think my childhood is really. Um, I, I look back at it, and I look at my life now, and I I'm thankful for it. I genuinely am. It was, 
it was my childhood was the most fun I would never want to have again, I guess would be the best way to describe it. Um, but it's made me who I am today. The experiences I've had, whether it was in Afghanistan or whether it was in my childhood, um, it's made me who I am today. And you wouldn't, every single thing that happens to you in life is, is just building you for what you're going to be. Now, a lot of people, and I, I've talked to a lot of people about this, a lot of people use that as a crutch. A lot of people see their childhood as a, um, as a, oh, I can't do that because of my childhood. I can't do that because, uh, you know, my mom this, my dad that, my parents were addicted to drugs or we were poor, my dad was in jail. Whatever the, you know, whatever the, and I'm going to say an excuse, whatever it is, it's an excuse. Okay, this is, this is America and, and you have the freedom to do anything you want. You can claim any aspect of your life and use that as a crutch, but the, the key is, if you work hard at something long enough and you are determined to make it happen and you build yourself and your company or whatever it is you're trying to do and you're constantly waking up every day going at it, you're going to succeed. If I sat and punched a wall for three hours, three days, three weeks, at some point, I'm going to get through that wall. And that doesn't, and, and it, it might hurt going through it, but you're going to get there. And I, I see people that use their, their childhood or anything that's happened to them in life as an excuse. Um, I, I, don't, I don't subscribe to that narrative. You can almost turn any, any good thing or any bad thing as an excuse, right? So it really, you are kind of the, the master, the pilot uh, using aviation terminologies and, um, you know, the captain of where that thing that's been keeping you uh, is going to go. And I'm so glad that that took you to this level where your business is, um, is, is thriving and where you can connect with what would otherwise be very difficult to connect uh, with people, right? Because you don't come from the same space. And so this is probably true for anyone who's who's like well you know i uh i know people who are maybe even financial advisors and they don't even have the same amount of wealth as people who they're advising right how do you but they still can do it because there are those uh, specific steps that you're talking about now trevor you have uh, a similarly colorful uh story and background as well and i uh, it, it'd be great if you can share just a little bit about um you know maybe how that story impacted your business and how that actually levels up your success, right? Some of the key lessons similar to Chase that you learned and um, and share with the audience that way they really kind of can get a, a feel for really the impact that you're creating. No, I, I like what, what Chase is saying because, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. I'll do a little little sidebar for just a, a few sentences. One of the most uh, impactful moments of my life happened when I was going to UT and uh, I was in the parking garage. I was driving a, a moped, a Honda Ruckus. Looks like a little motorcycle. And uh, going to college, substitute teaching on the side while going to college. And in the park, for whatever reason, at the parking garage that I was parking at, it said, it was like this giant banner. Uh, and it said, no excuses, you can do better. I'm like, but yes, I agree. I can do better. I ended up living for years uh, in, on the street to pretend to be normal. Um, growing up, uh, and in all, uh, when I cut my teeth and came of age, I was viewed as the oppressor, and um, I had to really understand 
other cultures perspectives on white people to survive and it was a very illuminating journey throughout that uh, period of my life you know i was friends with gang members of the bloods and the crips and the outlaws uh, there was drive-bys there was things. this is before mtv discovered austin texas this is before it became as gentrified as it is right now on the east side of austin um, and it was a it was a different world back then. It was more like Houston probably is all the time. Um, but <laughs> it uh, it was uh, it was through the years that I spent on the streets that I began to realize the power I had to control my destiny because I didn't have anybody giving me guidance that was helping me other than random people I would meet or my math teacher in high school who understood some of the background and he would sometimes give me kind of unofficial life advice on stuff and really help me through a lot of tough spots. But it was coming off the streets uh, that was the hardest because even though I had, you know, graduated high school, my father never got a high school diploma, GED while serving time in prison, right? Like just didn't have a lot of examples to live up to. Um, but I, I had to get out of survival mode. And I think that's one of the lessons I learned from being on the streets is that sometimes prison is inside your head. Sometimes the, the, the real limitations are what you believe you can accomplish, what the inner narrative that you have about your life is, because I'll tell you, it's a seductive siren call. When you live on the streets for a certain period of time, the idea of, of getting off of them is foreign and alien. I never panhandled. I was too proud. Um, even as a teenager, I was like, not going to do that. Um, I I got a job. I got myself off the streets. I know it's not that simple for other people. They struggle with mental issues and stuff like that. I didn't necessarily have other than like just scarring. I had to overcome things that it, it stopped me other than my own, you know, um, just history with, with my father and things like that. So I, I, I did it. I worked hard. I got off the streets. I got my own place. Uh, I graduated high school. Graduated UT with two degrees, uh, University of Texas. Like I, I did a whole bunch of stuff because I believed in that brighter future that's on the horizon. But it was like a lot of self-destructive behavior that I had in my life was due to the fact that part of me was still living in the past. Part of me was still living in that childhood. Part of me was like, oh, I can't do that. I'm not that type of person. I rode the city bus for years in Austin. I had the money to buy a car. I just didn't think, oh. I'm a person who drives a car. I was still like living in the pad. It was, it was crazy. And now I drive like one of the cars that I have on my vision board and it's, it's really cool. But I think one of the key lessons that I learned throughout all of that is that the belief in your own abilities increases your own abilities. That's called self-efficacy, right? It's the understanding that your mind and, and your belief control what you are capable of achieving you know, we can go deep on neuroplasticity and all that stuff. I don't think we need to drop jargon just to say that if you tell yourself you can do something, it will actually help you do that thing. And and it's it's very simple. Um, my, my father was never in the military uh, that I know of, but he was very militant. And some of that some of that good thing from that is that it put inside me like that drive to survive and like no matter what. But if you survive but you don't have a good social network. You don't have a good friends group. You don't have people around you that are supporting you. You know, is there really a point in surviving? Is there really a point in building a, a business or, you know, money or all that stuff if you're not working on yourself in that process? So getting out of survival mode and realizing, okay, it's not just about, you know, overcoming obstacles. It's about the person you become in that process. And, 
this is true with any business that you that you're in and any circle of life that you're in, you attract what you are. And so focusing on developing who you are as a person and and like having that integrity, that attracts people to you. You know, that attracts businesses to you. You know, I've never run an ad for anything I've done for my own business. It's all word of mouth. So my reputation is everything. My the, the integrity that I treat people with in my business is everything. That's that's really the lesson I think that I would say everyone can benefit from is don't forget you, right? Don't forget who you are becoming because, you know, like that is the, that is what attracts people to you. You can look at anyone, whether it's Tim Ferriss or Gary Vee or, you know, even people that are not maybe that big, like uh, as big as they're like, like um, Amy Porterfield. I, I'm a student of hers. She's an amazing person. She used to be Tony Robbins right hand woman and in his business. Right. And so like she took some of that self-help stuff into her own business as a social media influencer and like everyone who's, who's like worked with her and, and taking courses from her and stuff like that, they feel that from her, like that genuineness, that authenticity, that just, I'm a good person. Yes, I'm about making money with my business, but also let me help you get to where you need to be, right? So like that integrity, that character, who you build yourself up to be in the process of your business, like that's that's probably one of the things that I learned from surviving a bunch of stuff was like, don't forget that. Right. Like often all these things that you just shared, I think because we are fed all of these hype around us that, you know, you have to hit all of these milestones, all of which are good. You know, those are great. But to your point, without the actual end goal, like, you know, if you strip all of that aside at the end of the day, you're left with just yourself. Right. And um, and if you don't have a uh, a place or I guess I'm not place physical of course but in your in your own life where you feel like this is good then it just kind of becomes meaningless it just doesn't there's no point to it um and i kind of want to circle back to chase for a minute here on you know how um perhaps along the same lines chase like if you've discovered something similar you know in your line of work and i i'm kind of curious though for um you know your particular work because it is such a specific niche uh, space, right? And you kind of touched on it a little bit on how you didn't have, you know, all the money and you didn't fly jets, all, you know, private flights, all these things. And um, how specifically did you discover what those, um, the, the, your niche market is looking for, what they're wanting, right? Is it purely just from conversations? Did you have to uh, discover certain things, trial and errors? Um, and then, of course, feel free to kind of touch on some of the points that, uh, you know, Trevor had mentioned as well as while you're sharing that with the audience. Yeah, I, I feel like Trevor, everything you said was was just amazing. I think that was, I couldn't agree more with anything uh, that you said. But I think, um when you said you are, you are, you attract who you are. I couldn't a thousand percent. I couldn't agree more. Um, reinventing yourself. You need to set, and this is, this is kind of my quote for life. I guess I could say you got to set goals so big that you have to reinvent who you are as a person and attract whatever you want. Um, for instance, me, and, and this will kind of answer your, your question as well. Um, 
I didn't want to be the poor kid. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be the guy that, you know, went through a mediocre life that, you know, at the end of his life, he's like, I lived a good one, but you know, I got nothing in the bank and all of my, my two daughters are, you know, in the same boat I was in, I had nothing, you know, I don't want to do that. I, I didn't. And that was a constant driving factor for me was I'm going to give my kids something. They're going to look at my life at the end of my life. They're going to look at me and said, man, dad did it right. Dad did everything he could possibly do to just give us the best life possible. And I want to give my wife the best life possible. I want to give my mom a brand new house. I want to, I want as much as I can possibly do to give back to other people. And I had to reinvent myself. And, and once I started reinventing myself, you start to have the mindset of the people that I was going to be selling to. You start having the mindset of the millionaires. You start having the mindset of the the people that are driving for it. They didn't just wake up. Some of them did, but the majority of people that are millionaires are self-made. They didn't just wake up with a Ferrari one day. There's a science behind it. And, you know, just like anything else in this world, if you hang out with the people that know what they're doing, I don't know anything about tech. For instance, I, Trevor, sorry, I don't know anything about tech. I'm the, I can <laughs> send an email. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, but, you know, if I hung out with you, we're going to be sitting down drinking at the bar and we're going to talk and I'm going to learn something from you. And the more I started reinventing myself, the more I started thinking, okay, I need to talk to these people. I need to sit down. I need to really reinvent myself and really start to think, what are the questions I need to be asking and how do I learn from these people? Um, how, do, what do I need to learn? And it's always a learning aspect. I had never, I worked on a golf course when I was in high school. Um, well, right after high school, I'd worked on a golf course. I never played a, a golf a day in my life, but you know, millionaires play golf. So guess what? I taught myself how to play golf. You know, I wasn't the best reader uh, in high school. I really wasn't, which is which is crazy because I I had the highest GPA in the class, but I wasn't a very good reader. Um, so now I read fifty six books a year. I read a book a week. Okay, I'm I'm I, I still don't like reading. I hate it. <laughs> to be honest with you, I don't. Nobody does. Nobody likes reading. But, you know, some people might, some people might, um, but I need it. You need to reinvent yourself until you start liking it and putting yourself under that pressure and putting yourself in uncomfortable situations, um, makes you better. Uh, there's a saying in the pararescue role, which is uh, special operations for the air force. Um, you need to get uncomfortable or you need to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, and once you can start doing that, you're going to start seeing yourself change, um, but to answer your question, I know we're on a time crunch here, but to answer your question, um, once you start reinventing yourself for what you want in life, the marketing aspect of it starts to become easy because you're marketing yourself. You're marketing to what you've taught yourself. And that's what's, that's what's almost been simplistic for me and my business. I love this. This is so good because uh, I think that's what a lot of people are are missing. Like they they kind of forget, and I forget this sometimes too. Like a lot of times, people look to us, right, um, to all of us, to to kind of lead that reinvention for them in many ways and lead that experience for them before they go. Oh, you know what? I want that too. You know, right? So this is, um, I think, is true in in most domains, which is fantastic. Now, both of you guys have shared some 
fire, fire advice, which is so good. And I wanted to kind of uh, let both of you guys share where people can learn more about you, your business, perhaps even, you know, get a private jet uh, and get, um, you know, Trevor's amazing, amazing, uh, you know, work and in, in socials and in the digital space and how you can elevate that in a meaningful way. So Chase, why don't you start by sharing where people can learn more from you and then we'll go to Trevor and then we'll wrap up the interview. Yeah. So if you're, if you're looking for, for information on me, you want to get in contact with me, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, at Chase Russell on LinkedIn. And then you can also, if you're looking to get information on Russell Aviation and getting a private charter, just go to Facebook and then Russell Aviation for Facebook. Awesome. How about you, Trevor? Where can people learn more about you? Well, uh, I do a business blog and it's called jetskishaman.com. A very interesting story about that and predicting the future from a moment I had. But um, yeah, on, on one one historic 4th of July day, uh, but jet ski as in like you're on a jet ski in the lake, shaman, just like a mystical shaman doing mystical things, dot com. Uh, and just my, my, my blog. If you want to send me an email, my email is Trevor at Trevor W goodchild.com. I'm launching a book um, that is going to be, it's going to be ways before it gets out there, but it's going to be about uh, basically my experience growing up as the only white kid in the hood and understanding uh, racial equality. And so it's called pretending to be white. So that's going to be coming out. And so look, look for that on Amazon when that comes out, probably in six months or something. Amazing. Very good, you guys. I'm so thrilled and I'm sure the audience have learned so much from you guys. And uh, thank you guys for being on the podcast. It was totally fun. And uh, yeah, let's keep growing for sure. Sweet. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Be sure to hit that follow, add, subscribe, or collect button and click that notification button so that you are notified whenever we publish episodes like this and some amazing, amazing values. And let's dive in. Thank you.